What's going on, guys? Welcome back to the Monkey Finance Show podcast. Today, we're recording episode number 51. And just like the previous week's episode, I have a very special guest. Uh, I have John with me, and he's going to be talking about his journey. Uh, I think me and John met almost two years ago. And from the time that I met him to now, what he's working on, what his investments have been, and uh, basically what his future goals are. So without further ado, John, if you want to go ahead and introduce yourself and uh, give us a little, uh, I guess, uh, description about you and kind of what you do. Yeah, thank you, man. Thanks for having me on as well. Um, yeah, I, uh, I'm a W-2 employee. I'm a nurse. I've been a nurse for about 10 years, more or less. Uh, and then for the last few years, I've been trying to pivot out of healthcare in general, just to anything else. So, and you you don't know this, Moki, but uh, I I got caught with all these, like, do this affiliate marketing, <laughs> do oh. Uh, do Amazon sell this, sell that. So, oh. uh, yeah, I briefly dipped my, t- not that I bought every course that was out there, but I did buy some courses that were, I wouldn't say were great. Uh, I particularly bought like an affiliate marketing course a while ago. Um, but, um, yeah, I was just hooked on trying to get out. And then since the pandemic, um, literally everyone I knew became a stock expert. <laughs> um, so it was just funny, the transition of us prior talking about like parties and going out and, and, uh, and now I, it was just yeah. buy carnival cruise it. lines. It's dipping by AMC. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's by carnival. Now, now we find, we found out what an IPO meant. Yeah. Um, yes. Yeah, so a lot of my friends, uh, during the pandemic got into investing and then I kind of got in later than them. I had no idea what they were talking about. Uh, they were specifically, uh, swing trading. Mm-hmm. So when I got in to just trying to learn about it, it was maybe August, 2020. So the market kind of rebounded to, I think, past its level since before the dip, yeah. So I was just like researching, like, what is day trading? What is swing trading? What is option trading? Um, then I actually uh, stumbled on Graham Stephan's channel and he just kept talking about index funds and this, and just uh, don't pay attention. Just keep putting money in. And I was like, just keep putting money in. I want to get rich. <laughs> well, give me- Give me the hot stocks. You know? That's right. I want the twenty x in thirty days. I don't want the, I don't want the slow half a percent in a in a month. Yeah, exactly. I I was just looking for for ways to increase my income like crazy, um, which didn't work. <laughs> Surprise! Surprise! Yeah, I I didn't realize there's different ways of investing slash different ways of trading. And those are two different things. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> I, I did do, I did try some swing trading and I, I didn't put in a lot of money, so I didn't make a lot. Uh, even if I made like a 10% gain, which is a lot Oh yeah, for people that don't know the stock market. Um, but it was 10% of like a hundred bucks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course. I mean, everybody's got that. Like, Oh, I made a thousand percent. How much you put in? Oh, 50 bucks. 
Um, but when you did the swing trading, I'm curious, did you have like a process to it? Were you looking at charts, uh, technical analysis, or were you just kind of like, uh, this is uh, the hot stock people are talking about. I'm going to get in and get out. So for swing trading, I was learning about technical analysis. So I would kind of just see like, uh, cause you go on any platform, it shows you the top losers. Mm-hmm. So when the top root, this is not investment advice. <laughs> oh yeah. By the way, this is not investment. <laughs> my, my, my listeners know, but keep going, keep going. <laughs> yeah. I saw the top losers. And then if I recognize the company, whether it's mid, small, large, if I recognize the top loser, I would be like, okay, let me draw some lines. So it's the basic technical analysis I learned on YouTube, mm-hmm. of course, um so i drew some lines and i was like okay i'll set limit buys over here and i'll set limit sells over here and uh i didn't do it too often uh i think at that time i was like at at least 50 percent of the time making money but it wasn't a lot yeah um so then after that i like i i was kind of discovering myself i knew that i was way too emotional for this way too emotional for options also didn't have time to look into swing trading um, or day trading nor did I have the money for the PDT rule Um, so then the biggest thing crypto boom (laughs) when when was this when was this this was so still in 2020 or were you getting to 2021 I think this is 2021 now. Yeah, because um, January is like around the time where crypto got hot in 2021, right? Like Dogecoin started to go to a penny and Bitcoin was probably, I don't know, getting close to like 2025, wherever the heck it was. So is this the time you got on the crypto train? So uh, around the time Bitcoin went from 12,000, then it jumped it gapped up to almost 30,000 and then it gapped up again to about 60 60 ish thousand so around the time it gapped up to 60,000 um I started dollar cost averaging into bitcoin and then uh eventually it kept going down mm-hmm. and then uh I just kept dollar cost averaging but I was I was losing money on that so I dollar cost averaged in 100 days and it was about $30 a day, more or less. Wow. Um, yeah. That's and, a lot of money. Uh, I mean, that's, what's that? There's that's a 30, lot of money. 10, yeah, nine, yeah, 900 bucks, two, right? 10 a week. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I did that for 100 days, $30 a day. And eventually, I, I stopped all the cost averaging, but it still kept dipping. So it was at around the 30000 level at that time. And I, I don't remember exactly how much I was down, but it was more than 10%. <laughs> it was like you, you, I mean, you were buying on the way down, but I mean, your initial purchase was 65, then probably 60, 50, 45. Yeah, yeah you probably- I, I messaged you, in, you too. Yeah, I remember. I, I, messaged, like one of the I was times. like, you're going to laugh at this. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's one of the times where uh, I think not just you, but a lot of people were probably like saying Bitcoin's going to 100,000, right? Like it's- inevitable and um a lot of people jumped in now you did the smart thing is you kept you 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 said okay i'm gonna dollar cost average for 100 days you actually did it because i'm I'm seeing something different from you than most people is you still have a process and you're still willing to kind of stick it out even if it goes south which 
it did, but I'm sure there's a turnaround if you, well, I'll let you finish. I don't, I don't know how the story ends, but I'm sure if you still held, right. Uh, hopefully uh, you got some money back. Yeah, there, there was a turnaround and then eventually I was positive. I don't know exactly how much percent, uh, but it was probably more than five to 10% up. Um, so around this time, just in general, crypto was dipping. And one of my close friends, he is very into crypto. He made a significant amount um, on paper, not realized yet, mm-hmm. on crypto. Um, so he kind of told me what to invest in. Um, so I took the Bitcoin. I traded the Bitcoin for ADA, for Cardano. I'm very familiar with Cardano. I've done a lot of research into them. Okay. And uh, when, when was this? At what, at what point? Do you remember? Uh, so probably my average is, was about $1.44, more or less. Okay. So yeah, kind of where it's at now, give or take. I think it's yeah. 150 or 140 right now. Okay. So maybe with that money, so total crypto investments, and it's just majority Cardano, um, is about principal maybe 13,000 wow um because eventually i just also dollar cost average into cardano and then i stopped um he got up to like 250 was it now in the most recent run-up and then it came back most down recent again. run-up yeah i think yeah. he got up to like 250 because i'm very familiar with charles uh, hodgkinson i've been listening he's a brilliant guy and i've been listening to a lot of his stuff i mean to me it's still super speculative right like you got 16,000 coins. What's the chances this one is going to make it? But um, if I had to put my money in any one of them, and I'm not, uh, Cardano is the one just because I think the technology and and it's going to change the world, that stuff, right? It's And it, it's going to really empower third world countries and their citizens. Um, and I could relate to that coming from a third world country. Like, hey, wait a minute. Uh, I can't... Uh, prove that you know my dad is the owner of this land like there is no paperwork that exists but imagine having something like this uh, a smart contract that says hey you know i am the owner of this land and yeah uh, nobody can change that a lot of you know that's verified so uh, there's a lot of stuff that cardano is working on that i think is and i don't know again i'm no crypto expert i'm more of a uh i don't want to say a crypto hater eh, i'll call him i'm a crypto hater right just because it's <laughs> it's it's, it's I believe in crypto, the project. I don't believe in investing in certain coin or any coin. If there was like a crypto, uh, total crypto index, which I'm sure somebody, if they're smart enough, will create one day, I'll probably put some money in that. But like individual (laughs) coins, no. Um, So what what about Cardano? I'm sure you probably, outside of just your friend telling you, you probably did some research. What about Cardano uh, drew you to that? So honestly, I... (laughs) Oh, don't don't tell me it's because your friend Shit. said it. That's exactly why. <laughs> oh. So uh, honestly, I do not know much about crypto in general. Um, I know the bare basics. Um, I did not research that much into Cardano. And whereas my close friend did a lot of research. So did he get into Cardano? Like definitely. I'm assuming like, because it, it was a year ago, it was like eight cents, right? Like, I'm sure it was. Yeah. It, yeah. Um, he, he did not get in at a penny. Uh, okay. He, I think he probably got in around, uh, 
at first maybe around 80 cents more or less and then he he got out of it to make another trade for some other unknown <laughs> coin and then uh then he came back into oh. cardano and then he traded so i i oh, don't yeah. know exactly oh, yeah. where he's at now no i was just curious because he said he made a lot i'm I'm guessing like he's like pre uh hype cardano where it was like an uh I don't know where it was on the on the list of popularity, probably like out of the top 100, and then all of a sudden it spiked. But um, okay, so you got the crypto stuff. Do you do any other uh, investing outside of the crypto, as far as stock market, uh, real estate, any anything like that? So at the moment, no real estate. Um, I did see an interesting thing though um, that J.P. Morgan put out. They do market insights every year and every quarter. And last year in 2021, quarter one and two, they said the real estate with the least vacancies, which I thought was really interesting, is industrial real estate because uh, they need all the uh, they need all these companies to store their stuff somewhere. Um, but no real estate uh, besides my 401k, uh, which I max out. Um, so that's in that's as close to the Moki three as I could make it. <laughs> um, so 20% international, 20% S&P, and then 20%, I'm sorry, 60% S&P and 20% extended, uh, yeah. which there's no small cap value option. Yeah, of course, that's, it's, it's pretty close. You're missing, uh, you're missing the spice. Uh, the small cap value is the spice, but uh, you, you essentially have like 80% total market 20% total international which is still perfectly fine Pretty i think much. you 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 will do and you'll see in the long run you'll do really well that way um the small cap value stuff is probably the the thing that's going to make you a heck of a lot of money over a long term at least again it has in the past i don't know what it will in the future i don't want to sound like a speculator but even so a lot of people in their 401ks don't have options like in my uh, wife's 401ks with fidelity doesn't have an option for a small cap value uh so it, it is what it is like you got to create and the extended market has decent amount of small caps in it so it still should pay a premium but i'm impressed you actually uh, now did you research <laughs> did you research the monkey three or do you just take my word for it i know we've known each other for a while do you just take my word for it or did you actually do some research on it uh, for this one, you, I researched a little bit into it. I know you did a few back tests and then you did Monte Carlo's, mm -hmm. um, which I, I was doing, but for like these growth, uh, ETFs and stuff yeah. like that. Um, and then after that, I was just like, what's the point I like, and which is kind of where I am now in my investing journey. I kind of just stopped paying attention to, to what's hot now and yes. what's uh what's trending what what's... the next crypto yeah. yeah what the next trend is i just stopped because uh i realized that and if, if i don't know if you follow nate o'brien his channel i do in, on youtube I do. I do i love his work very i love minimalist his work too it's minimalist extreme uh, yeah and, and i mean he, he's such a young kid uh, who's got a real good head on his shoulders. I, I, what drew me to, I, I knew his channel even when I started on YouTube, but most recently, like the last nine months, I don't like to watch a lot of financial YouTubers because I think they're, Graham Stephan's one I watch, Nate O'Brien is one I watch, um, what's his name, uh, 
Marco White Boy Finance is another one I watch, but most of the people I don't because they just show a lot of stuff. But Nate O'Brien is uh, when he did the living in the truck that he bought, like living in the yeah. van thing. But really, the the message that resonated with me is like, here's this young kid made a lot of money and he can go out there and find himself, right? Like a lot of us are stuck in the day-to-day busy to busy grind. And we don't have a lot of time to do like some inner reflections on who we really are, what our passions really are. And uh, I could relate to him hundred percent because that's me and my wife. All we did when we kind of got out of debt and became somewhat financially stable is we just traveled everywhere. And we, we found like this inner peace in doing that. So I read, uh, I could relate a lot with that, but then even like, some of his, he, he reads so much. And in the past yeah. year and a half, I made it, uh, I read a, about a book a week, right? And we'll talk about books because I know in your podcast, which we'll get to next, uh, you guys uh, do a lot of quotes, but then you also talk about a lot about books. So uh, I'll give you some uh, opportunities there to talk about that. But another thing about Nate O'Brien is like, Thanks. he's like, he takes the technology away. Like he did the, where he locks up his phone in that i don't know if you've seen but he's got this like thing in his yeah. center of his kitchen puts his phone in there and locks it up and you also locked up your phone yeah and uh yeah, yeah. i i've uh started to incorporate a lot of his stuff because i'm like i'm about to buy a flip phone pretty soon because the more you grow and this is not a bad thing is kind of i put this on my shoulders but i've made it like a point to answer everybody's comments answer everybody's emails uh get to everything all the social media uh messages stuff and like in the beginning, when I had a few hundred subscribers, it was whatever. I got one or two a week. I was fine. But now I'm getting like probably, I don't know, 15, 20 emails, crap ton of comments, getting hit up on uh, social media all the time. And I still feel obligated to answer but just because I feel like uh, they'll help these people that are watching me. And I feel indebted to them because, because without them, I wouldn't grow. But eventually I kind of started to realize what's important and what's important is actually me, my sanity and my time and that I get to control my time. So recently I've been like putting my phone on the fire mantle and I put on the do not disturb. And then I just leave on like the emergency. If somebody calls me twice, let it ring like back to back calls. But other than that, I try to go the whole day uh, without looking at it. And then I'll sit at the computer like half an hour and just answer comments. And I found that to be a lot less stressful and, Actually, I get to apply myself now with my newborn. I get to play with him. I get to be present in my wife and our relationship. And it just helped kind of make everything stronger. So I think Nate O'Brien is is the one that it's has inspired me over time now to do that. So anyways, what were you saying about him? Yeah, I didn't mean beautiful, to. Man. Yeah, I didn't mean oh, to yeah. uh, cut uh, you off there. It kind of also, what you just said, kind of also reminded me of something Tim Ferriss said. Uh, he, he wrote in his book, The 4-Hour Workweek, uh, how to kind of get in contact with people that might be unattainable to keep it to get in contact with. So one of his uh, tactics when he was writing the four hour work week, he would send a chapter of his book to people and then try to connect with them that way. And that worked really well for him. So when he wrote it in his book, everybody was sending Tim Ferriss their book. And he was like, I feel so bad because I told these people to do it. And now um I feel like I have to read every book. So then he started to put a policy. He wrote it on his website. And uh, part of the policy is like, sorry, not taking any books, just taking time for myself. And then anytime he gets a book sent his way, he just refers them to the policy and then he doesn't feel bad about it. Yeah. 
That's interesting. So interesting. I, I feel like I've created the same thing with myself. Like I've, I've made myself so available that I feel so bad when I'm not. But then when I like set up these rules and I say, okay, uh, from five to five 30, I'm answering comments. If I get to it, I get to it. And at that point I'm like, Oh, I did all the comments I could or all the emails I could. And it is what it is at that point. And I think it, <laughs> it takes time to mature into that. Uh, cause naturally I'm like a people pleaser, right? Like my personality type is like, well, I do want to help everyone. I would want to make people happy and, and please them. But at the same time, a lot of the stuff that has happened in my life in the last six months is like requires me to have as much free time as possible to, to pay attention to that stuff too. So there comes a point where you got to, I guess, draw the line in the sand. Um, yeah. let's transition a little bit now. Uh, to what you do, what your social media presence is. So let the people, let the masses know that listen to the podcast here, uh, where they can find you on YouTube. And uh, you have your own podcast too, which I've been listening to. It's called Mind the Words. Um, you have a co-host on there, I believe that you you do that with. Yeah, but it, I'm, I'll, yeah, I'll let you go ahead and explain that. Thank you for the support. And uh, this guy, this talking about this podcast that we started is it kind of runs into just what we were talking about, about Nate O'Brien and how I stopped uh, paying attention to what's hot. It was all a distraction, I realized. And even if I put in like $10,000, just an exa- as an example, and got 10% return in the stock market, uh, then it would just be $1,000 minus taxes. It's less. So how much of that is going to really change my life? So I pivoted my investment to investing in myself. And I've talked about this with my co-host, Ernest, and we have the most insane imposter syndrome (laughs) ever. Um, I listened to this podcast episode that you talked about where you felt like you had imposter syndrome. Go ahead, Doug. Yeah, all the time. And uh, this guy uh, wrote a few great books. His name is Adam Grant. Uh, I totally recommend Originals, his one of his books. Um, and he mentioned that those who have imposter syndrome, um, they, they say they're not good enough. They always say they're not good enough. And then, but other people say they're good enough. But then if you ask, if you, if someone asked them to do a task, you would trust yourself over them to do that task. Um, so and that kind of plays into like investing in my learning uh, into like editing and uh, maybe trying to make the best thumbnails and uh, just reaching out to people who might be able to give me information and knowledge and education. Uh, so, and dedicating my, or some of my money to my learning. And eventually I feel that would pay dividends. So this podcast that we started, it's not my first venture into social media. It, my first venture into social media was a YouTube channel called Rise Steady. And at first, I wrote a whole script. It was going to be about finances. And I actually reached out uh, and got your opinion. And you told me it was going to be super hard. <laughs> <laughs> but you were very encouraging, which I really appreciated. Um, but uh, I just was so camera shy. I was extremely camera shy. 
I felt like I was talking like a robot. I also thought everything I wrote was not researched enough, even though I spent hours on hours researching the content. Um, so eventually I started off with just Instagram, just getting used to taking pictures and videos of myself, just doing random things that I normally do. And then with that, it built my confidence to actually look at a camera and start recording videos. And then that just took a lot of time uh, for the content I wanted. And the content that I wanted was not no longer financial because I realized finances stress me out. <laughs> as much as I enjoy listening to it, I, I don't want to talk about it uh, in terms of giving content. Um, so I wanted to take a more philosophical approach to content, which is trying to help people out. Like my first video was about uh, depression and how, uh, how non-prescribed medications can help and how exercise could help. And then my next view was about like, uh, kind of business, which I'm very interested in, like the mindset of business and the logistics of it, uh, just because I feel that I'm on that journey as well. Um, so I indefinitely paused that YouTube channel uh, because it just took way too much time. And uh, after that, I asked my coworker, Ernest, who's also a nurse, um, we're always talking about business, like in general, and just thought leaders like Tim Ferriss and like Peter Thiel and stuff like that. And uh, turns out he reads a lot of similar books that I read. So uh, I, I went up to him and I was like, hey, like, uh, do you want to do a podcast about us breaking down quotes and just make it fun? And that was what I was missing. I wasn't really having fun oh. in my previous like social media ventures and content creation. So I was like, yo, let's just have fun and I'll edit it. Uh, he just had, he has two kids. So. <laughs> oh man. Oh. Yeah. Uh, it's pretty hard on him. So I do most of the logistics and everything. And all we do is um, for his part is to record, but he, he gives amazing gems. Um, this last one. mind. Yeah. I'm sorry to interrupt. This last one, I was just listening to you guys. I think you guys put it out yesterday or today. I remember the episode 10. And he ended it with the only consistent, the only consistent thing in life is inconsistency or something. I forgot the quote now, but I was like, holy yeah. cow, that just hit me. But uh, go ahead. <laughs> interrupt. But that was, that, no, yeah, he always good. ends with like some good stuff. I feel like the podcast always ends with like, now I got to go think some more. Yeah. Um, and that's what, that's kind of our direction in this podcast. We wanted to make it more philosophical, uh, which is what we, we like to think about and talk about the more philosophical stuff. And uh, unknowingly, both of us just collect quotes. So both of us just had quotes. And then he, he told me, he's like, dude, when you when you told me about the quotes thing, I, I was like, dude, I thought I was the only one who was a loser and collected quotes. <laughs> so now so the inspiration losers. came because both of you guys had a whole bunch of quotes and you're like, well, if you collect quotes and I collect quotes, then let's talk about it. And 
you started. And now you mentioned you're this time around, you're having fun. And I mean, this stuff, I don't want to get, I don't want to sound like I'm complaining, but this stuff can burn you out. Right. Especially like I've, this is my year three on YouTube and I'm not even at 10,000. I'm still pushing and grinding and getting a video every week. Um, now that you're having fun and you're putting this stuff out, do you feel like that the content comes easier to you? Like you're just able to like how me and you're doing right now, just sitting and talking and you're able to create content that way. Or do you guys still kind of script the show and what you're going to talk about? I think the content comes a lot easier. Uh, we don't really script. We kind of just each independently have a rough idea of where it's going. Um, so uh, each midweek, uh, either myself or Ernest, uh, whoever we assign to do it, we'll just choose two quotes. And then one of us will just choose one out of the two. Um, so whoever chose the quote does the intro. And then uh, both of us kind of think of questions. So the part that uh, I would love to work on more, which I'm working on, and both of us are, are actually the questions we ask each other, because we realized in the first, second episode that we were just asking, oh, how do you feel about that? And then it just took us everywhere and we couldn't answer the question. So I realized, and I, I kind of already knew there was an art to interviewing someone and kind of dragging an answer out. And uh, I just wasn't used to that. And then not to bring it to, uh, to a sad place, but when I... Uh, when we started this podcast, um, <clears throat> inherently you, you put out content, people like think, or I had this thought where people might think my voice was important or my opinion was important. Whereas I never thought that in the past where I guess my thinking, which I told Ernest, my thinking is so granular because if you, existentially ask yourself uh who is moki finance and you could go to the really uh micro and you could be like this guy helped this guy helped john this guy helped me with my with giving me advice on my finances and in real estate and in life in general and he helped my life and he has a beautiful kid and he has a beautiful wife and uh you know, you could go that that micro level, but then my thinking is so granular, where if you ask who's John, now I'm a speck of dust. You know, that that was my thinking. Like I, I was like, why why would I put my opinion out there? Who cares? <laughs> wow, wow. You know? That's, yeah. Uh so uh I had to find a a balance between the micro and the extreme the extreme that I thought of, of myself in the granular scheme of things. Um, so I think just learning about that in myself, that like taught me so much in this podcast that, that we started together. That's awesome. And um, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, go ahead, man. Uh, yeah. And I, I didn't even know about this spot. So I knew about your YouTube channel and me and you, we still talk from time to time. We're obviously two very busy people, but we do catch up. Um, and I knew about the YouTube channel. I watched every video you put out, uh, kind of gave you a little bit of constructive feedback where I could. And then I noticed like the videos stopped coming out. So I'm like, let me reach out to him. Let me just see, you know, cause I like to, uh, poke the bear sometimes just to make sure, you know, you're not yeah. sleeping and wake you up. Um, <laughs> I'm a financial coach. So a lot of the clients that I, that I work with, you know, they, 
just like any coach, I feel like clients sometimes, and I don't even see you as a client. Now I see you more uh, like we're, we're basically peers, right? We're equals. We do the same thing. You know, uh, in, in certain fields a lot more than me. And maybe I know the financial stuff, but I have no idea uh, when it, when it comes to philosophical stuff. So, uh, what I, what I was getting at is I, I just wanted to check in on you and then you're like, Hey, I have this podcast and I'm like, Oh, cool. I, I wish I knew about this. <laughs> and I subscribe and there's already like nine episodes. And I'm like, John, dude, you just sure told me about this thing when like it launched. <laughs> maybe you did. And I just forgot. I hope I, that's not the case, but, uh, I'm like, Oh, this is awesome. So I, I listened to, I think at the time it was desires or I forgot the the title of the yeah uh desires the contract you make with yourself to be unhappy yes. until you get what you want so i listened to that one and i'm like hmm it's pretty good and i'm like all right let me play episode eight episode seven and then i finally went through all of them and then i noticed today you got the uh new one and i'm like i'm digging this content it's 15 20 minutes of your time uh for anybody out there listening but honestly uh sometimes you need to go to like that deeper level uh and this last one you guys talked about was just hilarious talking about he, uh, your co-host started it with uh, a um, a nuclear explosion, and yet, <laughs> <laughs> or like, what's the possibility? I forget how he phrased it about an accidental nuclear explosion. I'm like, what the yeah. heck is he talking about? And then you come in. <laughs> oh no, no, the episode started with I was 300 pounds and lazy and something, and I wasn't oh, yeah, trying. Yeah. And I'm like, dang, John's like spitting fire right here. I didn't know later on you were reading that from. Uh, I, I was just quoting. Was. Somebody, yeah, yeah, you were quoting somebody. I'm like, <laughs> David Goggins. Is, I'm like, this is good shit. Like, this is good stuff, man. I'm proud of him. And and, and you, <laughs> I mean, it's still the, the the stuff. I think from when I first met you, and you were kind of like in your own shell, and seeing you now kind of come out and and you you what you have to say does matter. Every every single person's opinion matters and. I think we're in a time where the internet allows us to, who the heck am I, right? Like I, I came in 2019 because I became debt free and I decided to start a YouTube channel. Like why did my opinion, but, but if you just stick with it and I, I, isn't one of your uh, podcasts about persistence or maybe I'm getting that mixed up, but if you just stick with it and you're persistent enough, eventually uh, whatever it is that you're chasing, eventually it's going to pan out. You don't know when, you don't know how, but you know, just staying with it. So I'm proud of you for that. Now, in the future, what are your guys's? I think you mentioned a thousand subscribers is your goal for 2022, but like your high level goal is a hundred thousand. What are some yeah. future goals for? Is that for the YouTube channel, uh, I'm assuming, or for the podcast, or for both? Uh, it's for both. It's kind of weird for podcasts where there's no central listening platform, and that's uh, I feel like that sucks. Um, just because shareability is just uh, really weird because people are really fixated on their uh, their platform. Yeah, like just an example, when Joe Rogan went to Spotify, not many people or a lot of people went over, but a lot of people didn't. I hate Because they just didn't. Yeah, <laughs> I actually love Spotify. So see the dichotomy. <laughs> um, so I think that sucks. But uh, yeah, I think the, sub the subscribers probably cross-platform. Uh, across all platforms all, all together um i think uh my growth the growth <clears throat> um the growth strategy that i'm particularly thinking of is um i don't know if you listen to this podcast my first million it's it's a it's a really good one about business but uh they kind of talk about random things sometimes so 
they kind of spoke about how their podcasts they were like dude growing growing a newsletter was so easy because he has a successful newsletter mm -hmm. um but growing the podcast my first million was so hard we ran ads we did this we did that nothing worked but you know what worked tiktok <laughs> <laughs> of course so and it and it wasn't like um them making videos specifically for tiktok it was them just repurposing just whatever they were already talking about they just mm -hmm. put it in tiktok format and just put it on tiktok and then they just grew so i think i'm gonna try that method um at some point shortly yeah that's interesting we'll talk a little bit off camera about mm, some of the business side of, yeah. of podcasts because i have a lot of uh, this podcast, I think I started last June and I'm 51 episodes deep. I'll share all my stuff with you. Uh, I don't want to bore the people here who just want to hear uh, oh, what we have to talk you. about. But um, speaking of books, because I know you you read a lot, too. Now, um, you mentioned the Adam Graham book originals. What kind of uh, I guess what are some of the most recent books you've read and which one would you recommend for? Because keep in mind, my audience is probably more financial uh, financially biased. So they're going to want probably a finance book, but it doesn't have to be a finance book. Any book that kind of will help people better themselves. It could be a self-help book, better their thinking, better their mind, open up uh, kind of their, their thinking to, to other possibilities. Any recommendations? Yeah, of course. I, I think I have three, three books, two of them are free. Um, one of them, the Naval Manak, Naval Almanac. Um, he's really big in the tech startup space and angel investing, but he uh, kind of took a dive into philosophy. So his, um, his, he had a tweet storm. It was called How to Get Rich Without Getting Lucky. So he talks about wealth, health, and happiness. It's free. Um, you could definitely find it online. And the audio book is also on Spotify for free. So I would definitely give that a listen. Um, the other book is, um, it's actually about sales and I didn't read through the whole thing, but I feel like sales just in general, um, can, um, is beneficial to you in all aspects of life. Um, so one of them is by Alex Hormozzi and it's called $1 million offers. Nice. Um, so that's by Alex Hormozzi. It's actually 99 cents for the e-version. Um, and then the last book, which is more finance focus and also uh, history focus, which I like, is actually Ray Dalio's new book. Um, it's called Principles. Yeah, I think he's naming all his book principles. They're all principles. So the like, first one is work life. This one is like the world changing world order, I believe it's called or something exactly, like that. Yeah. Um, Ray Dalio, a brilliant mind for those of you guys that don't know. Uh, I read his book, Principles, Work and Life uh, Principles. And I mean, it's it's a hard read. I mean, it's like 600 pages, but he really opens up a lot about everything he's learned and passing on that knowledge. And, and this this new book that he just came out with is about basically uh, how countries gain power, stay in power, and then how they collapse and kind of his predictions. He's He's lived in China, worked in China. He knows China really well. And I think for a long time he's been screaming, hey, China's coming. And uh, now we probably all know that China's here as far as a competitor to the U.S. So, yeah, that book is one I'm trying to probably get on my reading list. I, I just got so many books right now. Uh, I use um, uh, thrift books, so I get like 
I don't know. Oh, okay, t- yeah. Ten, I get like ten books a month, and I can only read like two or three a month. So my library is like stacking up with books I haven't read. Uh, but that <laughs> one, since it, it is definitely on my list, so great recommendations. The other two I'm not familiar with, but I will check them out as well. Uh, in closing, anything you want to else that you want to ask me? Do you want to talk about off camera? We'll talk again all the business stuff. But any questions for me, the community, and uh, uh, give the uh, the audience uh, uh, another reminder of where they can find your stuff. Yeah, thank you. Uh, you could find my podcast, Mind the Words, on every podcast listening platform as well as YouTube. Mind the words. It might be hard to find on YouTube. Yeah, I just searched it because uh, <laughs> I, I I just searched it on YouTube because I was trying to find the channel. I, it didn't come up, so you'll have to send me the link, and I'll just link it in the podcast. And for those of you guys listening, go to the show notes, and you can click on the link to get to to John's YouTube and make sure you subscribe. And at the very least, give one of those episodes a listen. I think you'll probably find something beneficial. Uh, sorry to interrupt, but go ahead uh, with your uh, anything else that you want to say, John. No worries. Thank you so much for the plug. Um, yeah, I just wanted to ask you about. Uh, so, I I I pay attention a lot more to world current events versus United States current events. I have no idea what's happening in the U.S. Even though I'm in New York. So Ray Dalio said in his book that uh, uh, whenever there was a war, uh, whichever country had a stock market that. Uh, that their country was in war they shut down the stock market for either years or whatever um now that there's so much geopolitics happening so china with taiwan russia with the ukraine uh and the u.s stepping into potentially stepping into both um and potential of war which could be likely maybe not maybe um what would in an investing standpoint what would happen do you think with the u.s stock market well it my my whole point thing with war is i came from a country that had a civil war in the 90s and kind of ran away from war i've studied war a lot um i just think in in terms of how it was in the past world war ii for example and even world war one a lot of American companies in the time of war were forced to shut down their businesses and make productions uh, that would help uh, America in the war, right? So you you could see like car manufacturers making maybe now cars for for um, vehicles they're going to use in, in war and, and things of that such. I think now, though, there is no more of uh, warfare now is like a press of a button, you nuke them and <laughs> that's it. Uh, and cyber attacks. Well, I mean, and that that's been ongoing. And I I just feel like it would be like, um, kind of the end of the war, uh, the world as we know it. I I don't think the stock market would survive that because it it would be, uh, mass destruction. Uh, these country, you got essentially two, even I'll put Russia in there, three powerhouses, uh, and it's not like the Cold War where they're like sitting on the on the bombs, but who's going to who's going to go first. Now it's like China's got a military. It's probably I don't, I don't know how, how big that military is, but I would assume it's bigger than our population or close to it. Um, and, and, and Russia has some really modern uh, uh, military uh, equipment. And both of those, I feel like, would would 
potentially if we get into conflict, whether it's China and Taiwan or, or Russia and Ukraine, even Russia and um, I was listening to, uh, I don't know if this is, uh, what's that country? Is it Uzbek? No, Uzbekistan, Kazakhstan, maybe. I forgot the country where the, the they had a, um, um, a tyrant basically was in charge for 50 years, stepped down. Now he promoted a president and now there's civil unrest because uh, th- that country exports a bunch of oil uh, and they manipulated the price and now their resident, uh, the, the citizens of the country are paying a lot in oil. Anyways, they called on Russia to step in and basically uh, end all the protesters in the streets. And I'm just thinking like, okay, Russia is involved in the Middle East. Russia's involved everywhere. China's getting involved everywhere. And obviously the United States has its allies, but there is no way I think in this, if there is a future war that stock markets survive in, in how they did before, because I feel like it would be, uh, massive destruction. At least that's just my, uh, mm-hmm. that's me predicting it. Uh, just because I, it's not like the war where you go boots on the ground and, and, you know, you, you fight, you hold the line and all that. I think it's more of a technological war. Uh, it could be a war with a, a disease being spread or, um, something like uh, a disease that's made in the lab. And then it just gets transmitted into that country and pretty much eliminates most of the country. So, I don't think of th- those are like ap- apocalyptic scenarios that I don't think of in my head. Uh, and ha- having gone through wars in, in my childhood, I try to uh, evade those thoughts as much as possible, just because they do bring back like uh, some some emotions that I, I I'd like to I buried. I should probably mm-hmm. unbury and talk about it, but I don't uh, because I got a, like an up close view of war, and I didn't. Yeah. It wasn't pretty. Like it was, it was a lot of, it was a lot of bad stuff that happened and you, you kind of see the worst in humanity. So for me, anytime somebody mentions war, I'm always thinking like the worst case scenario, uh, doomsday, the end of the world and everything collapses and like radiation everywhere, not even the weed can grow out of the ground. That's at least how I think about it. But interesting question. What about you? Uh, just depends who comes out on top, I guess. So um, you think there would be a win? You don't think it's like a, you don't think it's like a, uh, basically everybody ends up losing. You think there would be I, a winner? If there, if there was a winner, which I'm not sure if there would be, um, I, I do maybe, maybe like 95% agree with you where there, like there would be no winner um but if there was a chance that there would be a winner like it would be total chaos um just because uh yeah i was talking to this about my co-host the other day it's like whichever country feels like they're losing they're just gonna let it all go let all the nukes go and yeah they're gonna they're, do the hell mary they like can't the happen no one can the 90 yard pass on madden that you do when you're down a touchdown right like you're just gonna pull out all the stops and uh, I, the U.S. is not going to go down. It's not like the U.S. will be like, okay, China, you can have, uh, you can have our country now. And and same thing for China. And that you don't expect like, uh, and I just like like I think the media hypes stuff up more than what it is. And Ray Dalio puts this in good perspective in his book, uh, Principles, when he talks about um, life principles, because he spent so much time in China, he's immersed in the Chinese culture. And he understands the Chinese culture and said, they're not this culture that's like out to ruin America. But when you look at like media, 
everything you hear is like China's ruining America, right? Like China wants to yeah. uh, topple America. But then when you like study actual Chinese culture, um, at least from Ray Dalio's perspective, I think you find a much, much different perspective. And the U.S. media is just kind of a little more biased towards, I guess, the U.S. side, which I understand is the U.S. media. But um, that's, I don't know. I just don't see a scenario playing out where either of those three countries just say, hey, you can have it and uh, we'll step down. I think it's uh, the three global heads and somebody has to prevail. And in that whoever the losing country is would probably pull a Hail Mary and end it all. And just end it. And I don't know, at that point, the stock market doesn't matter. I feel like that's like, true. I feel like none that's of that matters, true. but we've seen uh, in, in history, obviously the stock market, the, the current stock market that we know it uh, has been around since eight, the 18, 1860 or 1863. But I mean, there's been stock markets all over history that have come and gone from empires that have ruled. And, you know, when you think of what, at the end of the day, what a stock market is, if you just break it down to like its uh, most basic terms, it's essentially the same thing that they were doing a uh, thousand years ago where they were trading here, I'll give you my sheep for your pig, or I'll give you, you know what I mean? Like it, it was just a sense yeah. of a place to trade goods. Now we trade companies on and sell electronic and we don't even know anything about them. Now we're trading currencies and all that. But I mean, at the end of the day, <laughs> at the end of the day, let's say somebody did survive this crazy, crazy war. Um, I think a stock market would probably be built back up from that individual to individual trade and then kind of um, kind of naturally build its way back up. But I, I would assume that all this technology stuff would be wiped out because you need electricity, you need a power grid. And one of the first ways you kind of eliminate the enemy is you take away their power, their running water, any kind of a natural gas supply. And you all of a sudden you kind of have a enemy that starts to panic and citizens that run out of food. And I, I just feel like it, the electronic stuff wouldn't matter anymore. And it's uh, yeah. it's an interesting question. It's interesting to think about because this came out of left field. If, if I had some time to prepare, yeah, I probably would have yeah, had a better answer. <laughs> no, you're fine. I no, probably would have had a better answer. answer. Uh, but uh, just interesting to think about and hopefully something that now that I'm a father is like scares the heck out of me. Like what kind of future is my kid going to be living? Dude, in? I'm so sorry. <laughs> I asked that question. No, 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 no. <laughs> it, and this is like my mind running now, like, holy cow. And you get this like fatherly protective instinct, even like the thing that pissed me off the other day and I'll end it here. But somebody was talking about the metaverse and they're like, uh, you know, digital real estate. Nobody's going to want to live in the real world. And I'm like, dude, my son has to like, in 20 years, this thing is going to be real. And my son's going to be wearing, and this guy said, oh, you just put in a contact lens. You don't even have to have like the Oculus thing. You just put in a contact lens and you get to be in a different reality. And I'm like, I don't, I want my kid to experience nature, the outdoors, be more spiritual and kind of be in tune. And that's something I like about Ray Dalio too. He's so in tune with mother nature and kind of how, how the earth works because the, the way the earth works, a lot of stuff around that is built off of that. We just don't kind of correlate the two to two together. And I'm just I'm so worried for, for my kid and future kids and future generations of what kind of disconnected world are, are we building that we want to spend most of our time in a virtual world and not live in the freaking world, <laughs> this beautiful world that's around us. So yeah, um, not to get too deep, but that's kind of where my mind's going. And I'm like, the matrix scares the scares the heck out of me understandable 
All right. Well, All I want right. to I want to thank you so much for coming on. This has been a really interesting conversation. I really appreciate it. Uh, again, you can find thank you John, for me on. Yeah, my pleasure. You can find John's uh, channel and podcast uh, in the show notes down below. Thank you guys so much for listening. And until next time, remember, move obstacles, keep investing.